tonight, once more, we've come to the presence of the Lord to, to hear him, to hear what it is that he has to tell us. It is important for us to always find ourselves in his presence. David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that also will I seek after. To always find myself in his presence, and to also inquire of his house. And so it is very important for us to position ourselves to always answer the call of God, especially the Wednesday call for us to come to his presence. So tonight, you must understand that in the court of the Lord is the ability of the Father, not only his grace, but also his ability to equip you for the things that he has prepared for you. There is no king who was not first a crown prince. Every king is one, was once a crown prince because he has to understudy his father for him to be king. Saul, the first king of Israel, was not a crown prince. <laughs> Because he never understood anyone. Grace found him. And because he had not, you see, I think one thing that we need to understand is that it is not enough for us to position ourselves to be blessed. We must be taught about how to maintain the blessing. How to sustain the blessing. You see, grace found him. But because he had not understood anyone, he was not equipped as to how to sustain grace. And so eventually what happened to him? He was not skillful at not only listening or hearing the voice of God, but also heeding to it. And so what happened? He trivialized anything that God did, down, God said, downplayed it. For instance, when he had to go to battle, um, with Amalek, God told him, completely destroy, destroy everything and do not leave anything. He went, destroyed what he felt he should destroy, left the king Agag, left the gold and silver ornaments and had a reason why he left them. You see, he was not skillful at being obedient to the voice of the Father. Now listen to this. You can only be skillful at being obedient to the voice of the Father if you have sat under the feet of the Father. Right? And so when we come to the presence of the Lord, we are not here by convenience. You may be staying closer but it is not a convenience of proximity. We are here because we understand our purpose. Or better still, 
the purpose of the Father as far as we are concerned. We sit at his feet because hope is what we keep in our eyes. And we know that he is taking us to a place where what we are hearing today will be essential. So these are very, very important truths. The Bible says, for instance, Woe unto you whose skin is a child. There is nothing that a child, there is nothing that a child understands. And so Saul could fit in this context. A king who was not a crown prince, who has not been equipped for the things that were prepared for him. And so, look, he tried. He tried and tried. Did whatever he thought he could do. But at the end of the day, he just, that guy just could not be obedient. He just could not be obedient. And it goes back. Israel wanted a king. They were given a king. God was going to give them a king when he was ready. When he had prepared someone. But they had to be given a king who was not prepared. And it's the same way. People come into our lives. They don't understand their purposes in our lives because they've not been equipped to submit to our voice. And at the end of the day, what happens? Places where they are supposed to be a blessing, they just cannot be a blessing. And let me tell you this. Sometimes you can't blame them. You can't blame them. They just are not equipped, and that is how it is. And so we need to prepare ourselves. Amen. So I think probably today I'm going to draw the curtains on our teachings that we've been doing on... Um, dominion and especially sustaining your dominion as being your brother's keeper. And I hope by now we all understand that being our brother's keeper is vital to our dominion. Being our brother's keeper is vital to our dominion. Something happened um, not very long ago, probably two days ago or so, um, I was upstairs <clears throat> at home and um, I heard Kojo talking to someone downstairs. And so the person was asking him, is pastor asleep? where is pastor? And then the pastor is upstairs. I heard that because I don't sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> the person said, um, is he sleeping? And I heard him say, well, I don't know. I would have to check. So the individual said, can you check? So I'm already sitting there and thinking, who, who is this person that wants to ruin my afternoon? So um, he comes to tell me that there is someone who was I'm like, who is it? Said the family on the other side. The lady, I was, like, oh. I was like, oh, Lord. Okay, because I know um, how this lady can really talk for a long time. So I was telling Kojo, I said, Kojo, maybe, just maybe, you should have told them I was sleeping. <laughs> I know I'm not coming back now. So I just get out, and she's like, Pastor, very old, maybe in her 60s, late, late 60s or something, can you please come? So I, I, I go, and I get to the lounge, and she still asks me to come, now taking me to the bedroom. So now, now you know, this has changed to complex equations, probably. I go to the bedroom, the husband is there. And um, she is asking me 
whether I have seen something as far as the marriage of their daughter is concerned. <sighs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, and <laughs> so the husband is <laughs> sleeping on another bed with his phone, right? Waiting for me to arrive. So now I'm there, and I thought they just, I, I don't even know why, didn't even know why they called me, but when I got there, they gave me a seat, you know, a chair to sit on in the bedroom, so I knew I was not going to, I knew I was right. I wasn't going to leave probably in the next 15 or 30 minutes. It ended up being an hour and a half, I think, but yeah. So they wanted to know whether I have seen something as far as the marriage of their, of their um, daughter was concerned. So they began to um, tell me um, what <clears throat> had been happening. And, um, well, the Lord opened my eyes here and there, and I, I told them A, B, C, D, and E, and probably I should have just shut up. The husband was like, but I've been telling you. I've been telling you all these things. Ask her, have I not been telling you? So... At that time, I knew I was in trouble. So they told me, um, they asked me what could be done. And I told them that um, I will pray and then tell them what the Lord says. But mind you, the Muslims, 100%, they're practicing Muslims, not like those Muslims who are not sure whether they are Muslims or they are practicing Muslims. So the man all of a sudden gets up from the bed. He's a huge guy, you know. And he's like, Pastor, can you let that mother-in-law go crazy? Like, can you just... <sighs> can, you, can you let her go crazy? Or expose her in a way. But let the husband love my daughter. I'm like, oh, can you even just let her go crazy? Just, just destroy her. I'm sitting there thinking. And at that particular time, all that is running through my mind is being your brother's keeper. <laughs> so I left and I came and I, I, I told Kojo, I said, Kojo, you know, these guys want me to pray and kill someone. And I, how is that? How is that possible? You, know, you have to be your brother's keeper. So um, I told them we will pray, uh, but as for praying to make someone crazy, um, we have not been given the grace for that. <laughs> Amen. So being your brother's keeper is important, and it is essential to your dominion. If you do not, okay, let me put it this way. In this kingdom, how you treat people determines how God treats you. How is that? How you treat people determines how God treats you. Because you did not do it for the least of these ones, you did not do it to me. Because you did not do it to the least of these ones, you did not do it to me. So how you treat people, how you treat others, determines how God treats you. Hallelujah. Now, 
There are things that are inherent. And those are inherent proclivities, we call them. I explained to you when I spoke to you about um, the unity that the rapport that exists between the God amongst the Godhead. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and no one is seeking superiority. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son says wonderful things about the Father. You see, in the natural, a monkey does not have to go to a monkey school to learn how to climb trees. A dog does not have to go to a barking school to learn how to bark. Dogs automatically bark. Monkeys automatically climb trees. Why is it so? It is encoded in their genes. It is there. It is, it is, it is entrenched in their genetical blueprint. That when you're a dog, barking is something that comes naturally. It's automatic. It's intrinsic. It is inherent. It is in you. As you get in the understanding. The same way we also, as children of the Lord, now that we are children of the Lord, there are things that are inherent, that are automatic. And the Bible talks about them. For instance, it should be automatic to a child of God to perceive the voice of God. What did Jesus say in the book of John? I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. Another man's voice will they not follow? Sadly enough, there are so many of God's children who have never heard the voice of God. Sadly enough, they are God's children. They, pro or they profess to be children of the Lord, but they've never heard his voice. They've never heard him. But as a child of God, it should be automatic. It's your inherent proclivity. You, 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 you came with it. Just like a dog does not have to go to a barking school to learn how to bark, and a monkey doesn't have to go to a monkey school to learn how to climb trees, a child of God should automatically hear the voice of God. Because it's inherent, it's encoded in your um, kingdom. James. Number two. To practice righteousness should be automatic with a child of God. The Bible says that for we know that everyone that practices righteousness is born of him. 1 John chapter 2 verse 29. And so, a child of God desires to do right. It is automatic with a child of God to do right, to do things that please his father. And so, when something goes wrong, for instance, 
and you sit a child of God down to talk to that child, or there is a problem amongst sisters or brothers, and you sit them down, it shouldn't be difficult. You don't have to spend five minutes. Ten minutes, too much. So what is it? Oh, I didn't know. Please, I'm sorry. So we can move on with our lives. Because every child of God desires to please his father. It doesn't have to be difficult. And so if there is no, de- listen, listen to this, if there is no desire in you to please God, maybe you must check yourself which family you belong to or you come from. If there is no desire in you to please God. If you want to go to parties rather than coming to church or you want to be elsewhere rather than finding yourself in his presence then you must check yourself maybe because it is in every child of God to desire to please the father. Inherent proclivities Obeying God, which is obedience to God and to the voice of God, should come easy with a child of God. Now, Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my commands. But today, it as if the opposite is what is happening. Do you desire to be obedient to God? Place, for instance, your needs about obeying God. Obedience to God and to his voice must come natural to one who has given his life to Christ. Other things, there are others as trusting in the Lord. Coming to exact representation. These are all things that must come automatically as far as a child of God is concerned. Not being afraid of the enemy or the works of the devil. <laughs> Let me tell you something. So, Sunday evening, um, after the service and all that, we go home, rest a little, have something to eat. And so, I retire to bed very late. I think it was around uh, half past one a.m. And I'm just lying on the bed. And it starts to rain. All of a sudden, I sense like the presence of demons. Oh, like, uh, I mean, come on now. I mean, look, <laughs> you're never going to let us off the hook. I'm telling you. And I hear a voice that says, Look, I kid you not, 
So I open my eyes and I see three, three separate bodies standing there opposite, opposite to me. And I'm lying on the bed. And then one thing comes into my mind, Smith or Gosworth. And then I hear a voice that says, it's in your hands. You know what I chose to do? I chose to pull up the, 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 the duvet and just cover my head and really sleep. Now listen here. I told myself, so I'm not going to have sleepless nights because of these little demons. I just put it and I knew where they were coming from. I knew who sent them. But I'm not going to give myself sleep. You know, when I woke up in the morning, I was telling Koji, the very first person I spoke, I said, I said do, you, do you know what happened last night? Or earlier rest of this morning? So, now I must be up. Calling Pastor Tepo for the prayer group to get together. Even though it's, it's 2 a.m., everyone must rise up and start praying. Never. How do you do that? When you know who you are. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not going to kowtow to the enemy no matter what he does. No matter what he does. And it's at that particular point that what is truly in you comes out. And I, I'm lying there and I just remember the authority that Smith Ogosworth wielded. That one day he was sleeping and he heard a knock on his door. And he opened and it was Satan. He said, oh, Satan, is it you? He slammed the door and he went back to sleep. He said, why will a lion lose sleep over the mountains of a sheep? A lion will never lose his sleep. But what were they sent to do? Why were they there? Were they sent with an assignment? Probably. Because they wouldn't have been there if they were not there to do something. But am I going to yield? Never. I just pulled and I just covered my head and I made sure I really slept. said, here am I. If you think you've got something to do, like Pastor Bright always say, bring it on. Waiting for you. And so that should come natural with a child of God. We don't run away because of what the enemy is doing. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's not just a mere confession. Are you getting the understanding? It's not just a mere confession. But like I always say, be careful what you confess because it will be tested. And there comes a time when it is tested. I probably will be somersaulting and calling Koju in the middle of the night. Charlie, let's pray. La krakata. La, never. For what? Three! Stand, and it's not the first time I'm, I'm, I've seen worse. But for some time now, I have enjoyed some peace from the enemy. And here I was staring at me, sent from wherever. Now, the same way being your brother's keeper should come natural with the child of God. It should be automatic. Tonight, 
And I know I've got limited time. I want to show you a few things using the story of Cain. Um, opening things, few things up to you. I want to talk to you briefly about the consequences of not being your brother's keeper. The consequences of not being your brother's keeper. And maybe there are some few lessons that we can learn from Brother Cain for failing to take care of that which God entrusted him with. Who was his brother? The consequences of negligence. Negligence have consequences. And sometimes dire consequences. We all know the story of Cain, so I'm not going to go back there to reinvent the wheel. Killed his brother. When he killed his brother, he inherited four problems. Four problems. And these four problems still exist in any church that has not come to the realization of being their brother's keeper. Let me tell you something. The enemy has no place, for instance, in such an environment. But you can be church, you can be in church and be very sick. You know that. Have you ever come across tongues, tongue-speaking Christians who have been sick? It happens, doesn't it? Tongue-speaking Christians who are afflicted with poverty and other things, it happens. And those who subsequently die because of sickness. And you will ask yourself, why? I've come across, not just tongue-speaking Christians, I've come across pastors, prophets, great men of God, great apostles, who have been overcome by the problems of the world. When Cain killed his brother, he inherited four problems. And like I said, those four problems do exist in the church. And they do exist in any church that has not come to the realization of being your brother's keeper. Quickly. In the book of Genesis chapter, chapter 4, and maybe let's read from verse 11. If you can just help us quickly. Genesis chapter 4, reading from verse 11. God speaking to, to him. He said, now you are under a curse. In other words, he said, now you are cursed with a curse. And so when he killed his brother, the first thing that God did was he cursed him. And that was his first problem. Now, this is what the curse meant. To be cursed means you will be powerless. You will be powerless to resist. And so whatever it is that comes your way, you will not be able to resist it. You will be too powerless to resist. What does it mean to be too powerless to resist? It means you will be hemmed in with obstacles you will never be able to overcome. 
And so when God said, you are cursed, in other words, what he was trying to tell him is, you are dispossessed of power. You will be powerless to resist. You will be hemmed in with obstacles that you will not be able to overcome. And that is why today, there are children of God who are hemmed in with several manifold myriads of obstacles that they are not able to overcome. Now, what do I mean, that, what do I mean by obstacles that you are not able to overcome? Any situation of long continuance, I've said this a thousand times here, is a case. Whatever you cannot overcome, you are not delivered from. Whatever you cannot overcome, you are not free from. Whatever you cannot overcome rules over you. And so when God said you are cursed, what that meant was he was going to be hemmed in with obstacles he will not be able to overcome. And that is as a result of not being his brother's keeper. Under normal circumstance, we are supposed to overcome every obstacle. We are supposed to overcome every obstacle. He has put all things under our feet. We are supposed to overcome every obstacle. You don't have to have problems that rages and rages and, 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 and continues and renders you um, indignified. Renders you, I mean, when the world looks at you, there is, there is nothing, there is no presence of grace as far as your life is concerned. There are so many of God's children today that when you put them on one side and you put a worldly person or the world on the other side, there are no difference. You have nothing to even testify about. You have nothing to testify about. Now, there is absolutely nothing that you are going to tell the person who is in the world that you are trying to win for the Lord. Because the fact of the matter is, he is better than you. He is better than you. You have been overcome by things that you are supposed to overcome. And let me tell you something. This is not something that you can trivialize. I mean, you can take lightly. Because under normal circumstances as a child of God, if there is something in your life that you know for a fact, you, for instance, I had an accident, right? I'd come to church. Um, after church, I went to anoint someone's house. From there, I dropped a pastor who had come to visit us that day in Randbeck. On my way home, just one robot from my house, this guy from nowhere runs into my car. His car gets finished. Really? When that accident happened, I sat in the car and I asked myself, have I really gotten an accident? Did someone really run into my car? It would have been fatal. 
in a way. Then there was an issue with the insurance. Finding 99 ways not to either fix my car or pay me out. 99. 99. They sent an investigator, came here with so many questions, went to the Ghana embassy. 99 reasons. Then someone hired me a car. I had a meeting with Olivia. I get to the venue. I'm waiting for her to arrive. All of a sudden, it starts raining. She comes. We have the meeting. We're done. Get into my car because it was, that was, I think, a Friday evening because Saturday morning we had a prayer in the morning. I get here. I ask Pastor Tepo, quickly go into the car and bring my bag. He goes there. There is no bag. That bag had my two passports, two. Driver's license, monies, because I was traveling, I think, that same week to go minister in Ghana. Things that I have bought, all of a sudden, those things are not in the Ghana. I'm like, you are joking. You know, sometimes you don't want to believe. <laughs> I'm like, you're joking, you know. I came there the bag was not there. I started looking where I was not supposed to be looking because where I'm looking, the bag is too small even to fit there. And that was a bigger bag. So I called Dr. Segi. I'm like, Father, I mean, I just had an accident and all of a sudden I can't. He said, John, maybe there is a door that you have opened that you are not supposed to open. Check. Like a door that I've opened that I'm not supposed to open. So what are you supposed to do? I go and I sit myself down. Is there a door that I've opened that I'm not supposed to open? Is it something of omission? Is it? Say, listen, the Bible says you err because you don't know scriptures. And ignorance of scripture is not an excuse for you not to face the consequences. That's your problem. It is not his problem. That's your problem. Sat myself down. I'm like, Father, Pastor Frank and another pastor came into my house. They came and prayed. Big, 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 big. And the pastor said it was an attack and more are coming. I'm like, never. More are coming from where? When they were praying, Pastor Frank will tell you this. Before the precious Holy Spirit, why will I lie? Because he, you know there are times that men of God come into your house and they want to show you that they love you. And I felt the love and over, over felt it. Pray, pray, pray. And I held his hands and I'm like, more number for me. Just, just pray under tone because, I mean, obviously we are making noise. We have, hold hands and we pray. And I felt the enemy cannot get to me without my consent. So that's, that's how I believe. That's why I have no problem at all with Satan. My prayers don't have break and goes. Never. If I don't see the glory of the Lord, it will not be because of what Satan is doing. It will be because of what I'm doing. But you, 
You are more concerned about what the enemy is doing as far against you that you don't even want to make some introspections. Because, you, because you, you don't take responsibility. You think everything is the enemy. Of course, the enemy only comes because you give him an opportunity. And as we were praying, something became real to me. And when the pastor said that, I'm like, never. That's not going to happen. More attacks against my life. Never. For what? But there could be a deal of truth in what he was talking about. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Let's, let's finish the prayers. And when they left, I'm like, Father, but really? Sat myself down. I said, what is it? That's it. Do you know? <laughs> those guys said they will not. So the guy, you know, the insurance, the guy, I, I was battling with it. Like, okay, what am I going? And there was, it was about a hundred and something thousand that I have to pay. My excess alone was over 30 to almost 40,000. Was I driving a, a, a Ferrari? But when the enemy comes in like a when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Then, the storm assuaged. In that, and I want to tell you this, that situation, in that season, when the enemy wanted to make nothing of me, God promoted me in that situation. Because whatever the enemy wanted me to spend, I had three different people. Three different, my excess was 30,000 rands that I had to pay. I had 90,000, three different people coming to me to say the Lord said they must bless me. Three, three. Okay, so I, I paid the, and the rest, of course, you know. I mean, enjoyed myself. But it was because I heard the voice of a father. So what you do is, you sit yourself down. I delight to do your will, O oh Lord. It is written in the volumes of the book. Delighting in doing the will of God must come natural with every child of God. You don't have to give me 99 reasons, 55 reasons, 7 reasons, 10 reasons why you think that... Uh, you, this situation should be solved or not be solved and 29 reasons why you think you are justified in a particular situation, that is not how a child of God behaves. You don't do that. You don't. You don't. So, you get hemmed in. That's what God told him. He said, you will be hemmed in with obstacles you will not be able to overcome. You will not be able to overcome. How are you going to rebuke the devil? Whereas you have not even rebuked your ego. How? You want to rebuke your, the enemy, but your ego has been fighting you since 2010. And it is still fighting you. But you, you, you are rebuking the ifa. Devil, I rebuke you. But there is something close to you. Something <laughs> that is with you. 
When you wake up, it wakes up with you. When you sleep, it sleeps with you. When you go to the bathroom, it goes first before you step in. That you cannot rebuke. The everything does not have to be about the devil, church. Everything doesn't have to be about the devil. Everything does not have to be about the devil. When we fail, we fail because we're stupid. We're foolish. We are disobedient. That's why we fail. Imagine. I, I always, you see, I'm a thinker by God's special grace. And I always think this thing of spiritual warfare has to be redefined. Because if I have something in my hands as a father and I want to give to my child, naturally, naturally, I have something and I want to give to my child. From my side, it is already released. All that my son has to do is not to pray in tongues to receive it. He just has to walk to come and get it. Now, what, which devil can stop me as a father from releasing something into the hands of my child? Which father? Which one? I mean, sorry, which devil? Enemy, which one? Which devil? That me as a father, I have something. And so God has something in his hands to give to you. And the enemy is resisting God from giving it to you. By the way, don't come and quote me about John chapter 10, about the patient spirit in the atmosphere, unless you don't know what prayer is in the new covenant. Unless you don't know the principles of prayer in the new covenant. That's how it is. That's how it is. So that's what you do as a father. Yesterday, the Lord had touched my heart, and I, I woke up, and I wanted just to bless some people with few things, and I just went and I bought them. So, of course, there will be things that, are, ah, do you have to spend all these monies to buy these things? And, but then, that's what I'm talking about. The enemy could not stop me from doing good. So Satan can't stop God from showing goodness unto you. In this season, you will see the goodness of the Lord. But listen, Satan can't stop God from lavishing his goodness on you, onto you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. amen. What did he say? He said you will be powerless. And so the first thing, the first problem he had was powerlessness. And is powerlessness not one of the problems that we have probably as individuals? The Church of Jesus Christ today? Powerlessness. The power has left the church so much so that now we have to stage the power. How sad. How sad. Do we have to stage it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Go and read history. God has been working miracles since time immemorial. To hang the heavens and the earth was in itself a miracle. Is that not a miracle? That we serve a miracle working God. He said, healing are my children's bread. In other words, miracles must come natural with you as a child of God. 
But then obviously, you know you can't take a million rands and give it to your child. See, that's how it is. So you become so powerless. So powerless. That now when the enemy, we've become so powerless so that on Monday we are with the Sangoma, Sunday we are in church. Yes. I've prayed for dozens of people. Be careful. This is exactly what God is trying to say. You not serving God through your ancestors. Which one? Your ancestors have got something to give you. And they couldn't give to themselves when they were alive. It's so amazing how when your grandmother was alive, she was so poor, but now that she's dead, you think she automatically can be rich and bring you something. So amazing. How your grandfather was so poor. So poor. So poor. But all of a sudden, he dies and he attains a position of statehood. I mean, sainthood. And you think the remuneration is having money to bring it to you. It's so amazing. It is also so amazing that he died out of sickness that he could not bail himself from. And you think you are sick and he can bring you healing. How stupid are we? You see, me, my problem is this. So that you Christians of today, so you can't think. You have a degree. Huh? Others have got double degrees. Others have got triple degrees. And yet they can't think. So the hardest thing for Christians to do is to think a thought that has not been taught for them. You see, if God had not called me as a servant, I'm not someone you could easily sway. Not that I'm causing my ability to want to understand things, to override the word of God. Uh-uh. Never. 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 I'm the first person to understand that everything as far as our kingdom is concerned is by faith. But simple things. Simple things as going to eat grass. Simple things as drinking petrol. When did you become an automobile? Simple thing as being doomed. Your mind must tell you that there are some chemicals in that that can make you blind. It tells you that we do not understand things. We do not understand things. I talked to one of our members sometime in the week. Also said someone had a revelation and the person said, my mother who is dead or something is not happy. I'm not happy until what? What nonsense is this? Your mother is not happy until what? Until what? Said all of a sudden, you are going to listen to the voice of your mother who is dead than the voice of God. How stupid we have become. If my father is not happy, what? <laughs> what? What? Or someone will bring me a message from my father. Who is he after all? Who is coveting? Who, who is he? Come on, church. And yet we don't understand. We can't think. We fail that to understand that there are certain things that we just cannot accept. 
But we accept other things and downplay the voice of God, which should be the ultimate voice. For instance, if you are not your brother's keeper, you are cursed. That one, instead of sitting down to ask yourself, Father, but how? How? We won't sit down to do that. Okay. With regards to our salvation, what does the Bible say? Work out your own salvation with fear and what? What is the key word? What is the key word there? Fear. No. The key word is work. What is work? In every work, there is one thing. Labor. Labor. What does the Bible say about labor? Does any scripture cross your mind with regards to labor? In every labor, there are rewards. And so me sitting down for God to deal with my temper, me dissecting why I am so temperamental, that because before someone says, hey, I've already gone to the hell, me sorting myself out in that order is too difficult. But if we come to church and we say, hey, anyone that is against, uh, that is against your, your, your prosperity, fire. You, that same strength and energy that you are firing with, why don't you translate it? Why don't you translate it? Into you sitting, you see? But we say some, their ears are itchy. No wonder today we are told what we are not supposed to hear. Work out your own salvation. It is work. Oh, it is, it is work. I, I can tell you it is work. I can tell you. I can tell you it is work. You think it's a joke. Solomon's mother told Solomon, my son Solomon, don't give yourself to drink. It is not good for kings to give their strength to women. And how many w women did he marry? <sighs> and he was forewarned. And you are going to think that forewarned is forearmed. Forewarned. And yet, the very same thing that the mother said had the potential to destroy him is the very same thing that destroyed him. Why? He did not work on it. A fight is not a fight until there is something to overcome. A fight is not a fight. Until the, so, do you know where I got that statement from? From a guy called Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas was the guy that trained Mike Tyson to be a champion. He got him when he was 12 years old, 190 pounds, and trained this guy. Mike Tyson won, I think, 50 uh, boxing matches and lost five. So when they asked Teddy Atlas, they said, Mike Tyson is the greatest pound-to-pound -pound heavyweight boxer of all time. He said, I beg to differ. He said, those five matches he lost. That was where his strength was tested. He said, those other ones were easy. 
because God gave him such a big body. His punches meant everything to anyone who stood in front of him. But those five times he lost. That was where he was tested. And that was where he failed. The others were not a challenge to him because he could just knock them in under 30 seconds. The guys were already reeling somewhere on the floor. But those five times, like when he met, what was the name of that guy he bit his ears off? Evander Holyfield. Who you were hit. And he will go down and still stand up and come stand in front of you. Said that's where his strength was tested. Said, but he was weak. He was convicted of rape. Said, that's weakness. He said, I trained him from the age of 12. I knew his strength and weaknesses. He was physically strong, psychologically weak. He says, oh, that's how it is. And then Terry at last said, a fight is not a fight until there is something to overcome. And those five times, what stood in front of him, he was not able to overcome. So don't come tell me. And I love Mike. My father and I will wake up 1 a.m. to go watch his matches. I bought his book this thick. It's still lying there in my toilet. Every time I get there, I read a page. Or, or, or a chapter. <laughs> You've seen it there? It's there. It has never been taken away. Zanele, who cleans the house, knows that if she takes that book from the toilet, she's fired. She, she, she knows it. And yet, when I listened to that guy, I was like, wow. That's the truth. It's easy to do easy things. And so that is work. It work. For there to be certain things in your bloodline, which has become a pattern, so that same thing that destroyed your parents, I mean your grandparents, destroyed your parents, it is attacking you. Say, so you've got to stand and face it. Because whatever you don't face, you cannot conquer. And whatever you tolerate replicates. You've got to face it. So my mom died this way, I would never. When was it? Two weeks ago on Sunday? Was it two weeks ago? No, I think last Sunday, there was a lady that I called, and I gave a word of prophecy, and I said, the Lord said, you, what happened to your mother will not happen to you. Will not. And the lady said the same thing. You know the things the lady was talking about? Very same thing that happened to the mother. It's happening to her. It has already happened to the sister. So these are things you need to stand and fight, and it's work. It is work. It is work. It is not just spending an hour blowing in other tongues and you think all is well. It is work. Work out your own salvation because we don't understand how to even work the word of God. Work out your own salvation. Understand that it is work. It's not a joke. It is what? Work. Work entails, involves labor. And say, oh, that, that guy he has been very lucky. You, you get lucky to hear the voice of God. Samuel sat under the feet of Eli, serving him when Eli's children were busy dancing white tukucha somewhere on the field. And you think it's easy to hear the voice of God. When I first heard the voice of God in the prophetic, I was on a mountain seven days without food. It's easy to hear the voice of God. At the age of 17, sleeping in caves, sleeping in caves, 
17 years old, crying like a baby. You think it's easy. Nothing worthwhile comes easy. But everything that gets easier will first get difficult. And then it gets easier. But it gets difficult to toughen you up. To toughen you up. To toughen you up. Imagine what befell Jesus. That 30 years of being laid dormant was necessary. That 40 days and 40 nights were necessary. That fight in Gethsemane was necessary to cover it. It's nothing that is going to bring you down. It's everything to toughen you up. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It starts somewhere, but it is work. Are you working? Are you working on improving yourself as an individual? Are you working? Are you working on improving yourself? And maybe later, I will show you how pride destroys your dominion. How pride. Like something is wrong. Instead of you doing something about it, okay, can I give you a classic example? Like, can I give you like a very uh, simple example? Simple example. Like you are not married, you have met someone, you are trusting and believing God to marry, and then there is something that the person does not like as far as you are concerned, Instead of you taking that thing and working on it, what do you say? Say, this is how I am. If you can't accept me like that, then you don't love me. Nonsense. No, no one will accept you with that. Change. It's very simple. So nobody wants to work. If God accepts everyone the way they are into his kingdom, there will be no need for repentance, church. Would there be a need for repentance? No, come on. It's like I've offended you. Look, if <laughs> it's like I've offended you. Now, I'm not getting the smiles anymore. Smile, 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 smile. If it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. Smile. Would there be the need for repentance? Come on, church. If God should just accept anything, would there be, would there be a need for repentance? The answer is no. And by the way, it was just an example. It has got nothing to do with me. It's not like... <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. What did he say? You are cursed with a curse. Now you are under... Said This is even amazing. Said, the NIV. Give me the new King James, guys. Why are you giving me an NIV? But see what the NIV says. Now you are under a curse. Under means there is something on top of you. <laughs> and what is on top of you is a curse. No curse will ever follow you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. No curse will ever have any impact on you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have seen how a curse looks like. Nothing you want to befriend. Nothing you want close to you. Absolutely Nothing. If I can tell you what I have done in my own family to break cases from people, you, you will get the greatest shock. You don't want to be closer to a case. Never. And then what did he say? So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from the from the hand. From your hand. Next verse. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. 
What is that? When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength, meaning it's best to you. Meaning you will be stricken with poverty. Not only poverty, you'll be stricken with what? Barrenness. And that's problem number two. The first one was what? I, huh? Powerlessness. The second one, poverty. So the earth will be barren. All you'll be doing is jumping from one place to the other. You will put in maximum, maximum effort for no rewards. Oh, that will never happen to anybody in this house. Amen. This house, we are, we are moving forward. Oh. oh, church, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. The next year in our lives, in the life of this ministry, is very critical. You, you, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. He said you'll be stricken with poverty and barrenness. Why is he getting stricken? You, you would have thought powerlessness was enough. So you'll be stricken with poverty. Why? What was his charge? He was not. Thank you. He was not his brother's keeper. Quickly, the third one. What does it say? A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. What does that mean? A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. You will be isolated. You will walk alone. Even when you throw a party, no one will come. You will be all by yourself. You will cook dinner and eat it alone. You will eat the bread of sorrows. Nobody will come and celebrate you. Isolation. You will be cut off from the voice of God so that you will walk in your own eyes and in your own sight. You will be cut off. Someone called me. I don't know if I've told you. The person actually came here giving me several hundreds of thousands of money to be a blessing to me. And he says, uh, Son of God, thank you very much. So why? He said, some time ago, you, you told me this. And this is a person that I had not heard from in a while. That there was a drought coming. And that I must save every money I must not spend. I must save as much. He says, the drought that I faced. He said, when you said that, I didn't believe it. This was coming from someone's mouth. I did not believe it. Because as at that time when you said it, there was so much abundance that drought was inconceivable. It was unthinkable. But a voice told me, listen to him, he's my servant. But if I have not saved, I would have been on the street as I speak to you. So what are you going to do if you are going to walk in your own sight, in your own eyes? Cut off, isolated. Do you know who, you see, go and read the Old Testament very well and see the people that were ostracized. It was those that were lepers. But do you know what leprosy really is? You know what leprosy is? Okay, let me give you an example. In the natural, what is leprosy? When one has leper, his body withers away, his skin withers away, isn't it? But you know it forms this very hard 
thing. Right? That should a leper throw a punch at you, you, you won't come back alive. Do you know that? Because that skin becomes very hard as well. What does that mean? Let's translate that to the spirit. Spiritual things. Say, hardness, being hardened, being seared as if with an iron. So much so that the word of God is not able to penetrate. The word of God can't get through. That withered part of this individual, even when he, others crawl with this and they don't even feel it. Because it's almost as if life has left it. And that is how it is when you are left by God to walk in your own sight and in your own wisdom. Life is sucked completely out of you. Divine life. And so you will do things that are not right. But in your own sight, you think you are justified. You are isolated. You will be a fugitive. Now these are problems that are in the church. There are several fugitives in the church. They come to church as a formality. It's Wednesday night. Go to church. Sunday morning. Where else? But there is no life. They have no connection to the altar. Not only that, they have no connection to, go, to God's word. Obviously, if you have no connection with the altar, it's the same altar where the word is coming from. So you have no connection to the word in the house. You have no connection. Now sometimes things happen and I say, Father, but you hid this from me. I said, yes. That you don't understand. You think that when God reveals something concerning your life, it's because the man of God is too powerful. Uh-uh. Because God loves you. God has to love me to reveal something that concerns me. We are prophets by grace. Because God loves his children. And I know how I have, I have engaged that. Locked myself up in a room, learning the principles of faith walked out there, they gave me a child who was, so what was the name of that girl? I think she was, was she asthmatic or something? Asthmatic or what? Just one disease like that, very bad. And I think I had some faith. Say, in the name of Jesus, out! Nothing is happening. Child is in your hands. You say you have a God. Let him work. Am I able to bring Jesus to the scene? Out! Nothing is happening. Say, Father, before I could develop any faith, you loved her so much and you wanted to heal her and do something for her. Be healed in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, that disease disappears. From that day, I learned something. No wonder the Bible says, now there abides these three things. Faith, hope, and love.
are the greatest of them all is love. In other words, what you hope, what hope cannot accomplish, love can. And what faith cannot accomplish, love can. And that is why your faith cannot bring you things that the love of God is able to bring in the lives of others. And you are saying, but they don't have the faith that I have. They don't. But yet, they've got something that you don't have. Because you think by your faith you're going to receive something. And yet, the love of God has gone ahead of you. What faith cannot accomplish, love can. Hallelujah. So he was isolated. Cut off from God's voice. Lastly, in verse 16, this is where I, 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 I got baffled by Verse 16, listen. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. He went out. And Cain went out from the presence of God, of the Lord. He went out. You know what that is? Desolation. He went out. Nod, the word Nod, where he went to stay, means wandering. And so he became desolate. These four problems you will inherit if you don't know how to be your brother's keeper. Powerlessness. Number two. Huh? Powerlessness, poverty, isolation, desolation. And so we'll be praying all kinds of prayers for you. Great problems. We will try to stand in for you. And yet there is nothing to help. It's not because the man of God is not powerful. In Nazareth, Jesus, the Bible says, could not work much miracles. Was it because Jesus was not powerful? But because they failed to celebrate grace. Except that the few people that came expecting, he laid his hands on them and he left. If you are going to live a Christian life, live it. Position yourself for something to happen to you. For something wonderful to happen to you. When you have an experience... Have an experience that mirrors God's word. Don't have just any experience. Have an experience that can be traced to God's word. That is a true experience. If you really want to have an experience. One day I said, Father, during the time of Abraham and all Moses and all those guys, I was not there. During the time of the apostles, like the apostle Paul, I was not there. And I was just, you know, I just had a desire. I said, Father, today, as I sleep, reveal to me how life was like in those days. And the word already talks about it. But as I was sleeping, God caused me, took me so many, 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 many years, if not centuries, for me to see. That day when I woke up from that place, I knew that the God that I serve is not just an experience. It's not just a feeling that God is real. He mentioned the man's name to me, Charles S. Price. Never heard of him. 
went straight, just googled him. And all of a sudden, the man that really taught faith, and he said, Father, the reason why we don't experience his presence is because of the cares of this world. You are so conversant with the problems of the world, enough position yourself to be conversant with kingdom stuff, with what God has to offer. Then you tell yourself, Father, I am going deep. Listen, I am going to make a decision to position myself to see, to see your glory like I've never seen before. They that thirst and hunger after righteousness shall be filled. But I've hungered and thirsted after righteousness. I've never been filled. You were not thirsty enough. You were not hungry enough. You were not thirsty enough. You were not hungry enough. The founder of Winners Chapel's son was talking to me. He said, John, I'm not a pioneer. I'm a follower. I'm now pastoring my father's church. He's already a billionaire. The Lord, the Lord has blessed him. He said, but I also know the several nights and days when my father was not around because he was on the mountain seeking the face of the Lord. And I've heard him say, Bishop Wade, because one day waiting on the mountain upon the Lord, here comes a cobra. The devil says, you said you wait. Get up and go. You will find an excuse. You will call Pastor John. Pastor, I was waiting upon the Lord. I saw a cobra. And Pastor John will say, leave. And the only reason I'm saying leave is because I don't want you to be bitten so that we have to now gather around you and pray for you. But if you really understand the reason why you are there, you won't leave. Others find an excuse not to do things. You find an excuse to do it. Listen here. Look at Jacob. What did he do? He was not his brother's keeper. They said the Bible is so amazing. Sometimes he's a father. Wow. He was not his brother's keeper. He deceived his father and took his brother's blessings. When he went to Uncle Laban's house, do you know what was done to him? He told his wives when he had to leave. All these years, I have served your father. He has deceived me and changed my wages ten times for not bringing his brother's keeper. You think that was enough? Because he was not his brother's keeper. His sons were also not their brother's keeper. They took their younger brother, they put him in a pit, and later went and sold him. And God spoke to me this afternoon when I was still preparing myself. He said, when we are not our brother's keeper, one thing we need to understand is that it has got generational consequences. I quoted you scripture. Not being your brother's keeper has generational consequences. Even as a pastor, several times, several times, 
people will send me messages or talk to me. Oh, man of God. So you are my father. This I did not really like. This, oh, really? Forgive me. Like, okay, what is it that will make a father so proud? What foundation do you want to, you want to lay? What? I can be John High and Mighty, but I also have got, what do you call it? Those, when you are driving, that, you call it what? Blind spots. They are blind spots. I know there are men of God that when you see, you, you, you go on your knees and worship. But they are flesh and blood. But you don't know they are flesh and blood until the issues of life hit them. And you realize you probably would have responded better. It is all by grace. So there is not a, a time I sit to prepare myself, Father, to come and minister to you. This is the word first must minister to me. But I also understand that you can't change anybody until the Spirit of the Lord has. Rise to your feet. You remember? Okay. You want to clap? Clap. Clap. Thank you. Thank you, Tepo. You are so kind. Thank you. Truly appreciate. Thank you. Let me tell you something. Shem, Ham, and Japheth were the sons of Noah. And even though it has got to do with their father, they were still supposed to treat their father right. And it fits, it fits this context of being your brother's keeper. So the man had gotten drunk and lying there naked. And it is true. Solomon's mother in the book of Proverbs 31 advised him not to give himself to strong drink or else he will embarrass himself. And that man had a strong drink and embarrassed himself. Three sons. The truth in God's word. How do you read your Bible? Three. All of them they decided to take a, a cloth to go cover their nakedness. Three. Three. 